Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello, and welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. It's another week. Hey, Didi. Hey, Latal. How's it going? Well, I need to do this because apparently it's my trademark that I'm supposed to say I am awesome. You're awesome. I am awesome. Somebody said that he always say he's awesome. So he's awesome. I am Again. awesome. Again. What's so awesome? Well, what's so awesome? Well, right now the Panthers have swept Carolina, which means that the only team that has won more than one game on them is the Bruins. The Bruins actually put more goals on them than everybody Anyone else. else put together. So that they're good. They're a good team. I want them team. to win. No, I want Bruce Cassidy to win. So basically, all the bums that complain about Vegas, Bruce Ca- Vegas, Vegas, baby, Vegas. It, you just want them to win because you're traveling to Vegas next week, and no, no, no. Vegas is game Ve- over there. So Vegas is going to win because they were up on the series 3-0. There's only four teams in the history of hockey ever, ever, ever to come back from 3-0 down to win. One of them was Philly on us. And this to show how big of a bums we were, we were up in that game seven, three o on them in that game seven. So, and speaking of three o, Celtics might come back from the three o deficit, being the first team in NBA history to ever come back from a three o deficit. Let's see, is um, it the Saturday game? No, that's the that's the number six game. The number six, it's on Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday night is, of course. When listeners hear this, it will be. It will be in the, the past. Uh, yeah, it will and, be. And it will be know. in the past. But yeah, I, I, I can see, I can see the Celtics even as chokers and, and losers as they are. Going to play against the Lakers. The Nuggets plays against. They, they, they Lakers got swept by the Nuggets. All right. Uh, for those of us who don't care much about sports, what are we talking about today? We don't talk to the people that don't care about sports because uh, we, we don't like them. No, so what we're, go- we're, we're <laughs> even you were talking about this. I, I'm pretending to listen <laughs> to whatever you say, which is, a, I guess, a married good way. life. That's married life. Yeah, I want to talk today about is the wave on consolidation coming up in the market? The big players versus startup. And we're in startups, so where we chose to be. But I think it's an interesting topic. And I agree. This idea came to me because I listened to a podcast this week with, it was in Hebrew. I've got to, for those of you who speak Hebrew, there is a great, great series of podcasts called Geekonomy. If you are a Hebrew speaker, you probably listen to it because there are awesome and so successful. So there was the founder of a company that got sold a few years ago to Rapid7, a company called Insights. Mm-hmm. And he talked about now starting a new business and it's not in cybersecurity, even though all his life he spent in cybersecurity, he wrote even a book about the Israeli cybersecurity scene which I still didn't read, but I will, and we can talk about that later. And he said that he's starting his company not in the field of cybersecurity because he feels that there is going to be a wave of consolidation. He is not sure that there is space for that many startups anymore. And with that, he's like, and he doesn't want to be the one to be bought again. He wants to build a big company. So he's looking for a new space and he's starting it in a new space. 
and it sparked a conversation yes. for dinner yes. of like, how do we feel about it? And is this cybersecurity space saturated? And what do we think about it? I, I want to take maybe one step back. And for those of you, I think everybody that is in the industry kind of like knows the state of the business, but basically our industry is divided between two giants that are not cybersecurity companies yes. and have more cybersecurity business than anyone else together, Put together. Cisco and Microsoft. Then there are, maybe IBM is kind of legacy, they used to, but not anymore. Then there are a few big pure players that are crushing it and are big, Palo Alto Networks, CrowdStrike, Okta, yep. Zscaler, no. No. <laughs> Wannabe, no. and then a very long tail of companies some of them IPO then have presence, but you can you couldn't say they're crushing it. The kind of like well, portfolio, is... big portfolio companies. A few of them. I come from Rapid Seven. There are like uh, CyberArk successfully IPO. Still not a huge business. Like not omnipresent in cybersecurity. They have niche plays in some areas, and then there is a long tail of hundreds, if not thousands of small startup vendors in different stages. So I want to start by asking Just why, one sec. Okay. You, you, forgot wanna, our, you forgot RSA. And RSA used to be, that, that was a pure player, yep. but what? No, they got but bought, but, but they got spun out. EMC, Dells. Spun out. Well, you used to have all those guys, McAfee, Symantec, all of you them. Still yeah, they, they, do, they, you still do? Do you... Still have them, but they're making I don't billions think. of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is this is where my mind is, is in the state of consolidation, and we had this in our company's Slack. That first rule of innovation is: Can you outrun Microsoft? Forget about everybody else. You need to be able to outrun Microsoft. Because Case of innovation by Microsoft yes. or outrun financially? Because no, that's no, no, impossible. You, can, you, you can't outrun them financially. Even Sony discovered this on the PlayStation. You, you can't outrun Microsoft financially. They, they will eventually catch it. The question is, can you build enough of a business? Can you make enough money? Can you, be, can you end up being sustainable like CrowdStrike is? And by the way, it's a good question for longevity. Will CrowdStrike be able to beat the E5 forever? Which I think no. Depends. Uh, yeah, it's a good but, question. But in general... Oh, and we didn't say Splunk, actually. I'm just going to say they're one of those guys. Who? <laughs> Let's keep on going. No, the, the Splunk is the who, yes. The dead man walking. I, I would put them even behind IBM in terms of dinosaurish. So from my perspective, there's always going to be a change in the market in terms of innovation and in terms of consolidation. So this is a story, real story. I was asked to take a look at Duo Security and Okta when I was still working for another company. And I said, this is an awesome business. This is going to be a legit, legit game changer. Both of them are going to be game changers. They're going to change everything. I liked the way Duo approached the super easy onboarding. And, and I said, listen, MFA is going to get everywhere. And the executive team said, no, 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 you don't understand. Tokens are getting commoditized. Nobody cares about tokens. 
there were three or four companies that competed with RSA on tokens, and all of them slowly, slowly got eradicated. The cogs were killing them. They were slowly, slowly getting slaughtered. And I was saying the same thing about, listen, there's innovation coming out of the FIDO aspect. We need to play there, and YubiKey, Yubico is going to kill us there because we were the best hardware vendor. And I got hand-waved, no, 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 don't worry. This is commoditized. And out of that came Yubico, which are still growing and are still big. And they're a niche player. But if you want to build a company and make billions, that's a good example. You don't need to be Microsoft. You can still make billions. And Duo was sold to Cisco. Okta is still Okta and growing strong. And the, all of those are legitimate businesses that came out of RSA snoozing. And the ability to innovate and create a business by outrunning, because there's something ch- that changes in the market. So the, the change in the market that was missed by the big players was the fact that MFA at that point in time, Dana, who I'm hoping to drag into our space, said basically, listen, understand, 95% of the market is still using passwords and just passwords. If we can break to some of this space, there's going to be billions. CrowdStrike came in with the EDR space. FireEye came in with the EDR space. Immunet, which became AMP, which became part of Cisco, came in with the EDR space, which was completely overlooked by the big players. And now they're the big players. When we were talking about network security, which grew to be SIM, which grew to be whatever is next, there was kind of an understanding when there was ArcSight and whatever was the product that turned into Envision that RSA bought and a few others that, oh, we, we own a big chunk of the market. And then suddenly a whole bunch of populations that never chose us because they wouldn't talk to us grew. And this is where consolidation fails. Consolidation is an ability to push top down that the CEO golfs with some big sales guy from Microsoft and tells him, oh, look at the E5 and let's get rid of everything else. Because, yeah. the, because the cost of doing security right and the cost of doing security wrong is big. It's not running containers. It's not running servers. It's not these things that drive consolidation like in the cloud business. And also the cost of getting into security has become cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. When we were creating RSA adaptive authentication, we had to buy servers and we had to buy a whole bunch of stuff just to get into the market and and play along. When we build CDO, we had to run complete VMs and our AWS costs were about 10 times higher than our current costs at, at ORT. The cost now to become a security professional is becoming lower and lower and lower because, and you need more and more and more of them. So I, I'm not really sold on the, the consolidation part. I think as long as you can outrun, you can do this, but... I'll tell you, let me chime in and tell you my opinion you, you and what I hear point. here. Once in a few years, and sometimes it's like a few, at the same time, you have a few of those events happening, there is a new category that is being born. EDR, network, VPN, you said the authentication, passwordless now, we're getting into Gen AI, we just spoke about it, new companies. So when a new generation of technology is being born, and usually it's being born in the first IT has a new generation of stuff that is happening and you need to go and secure it, then the market shifts. 
and startups. It doesn't come from the Microsoft of the world that go and innovate. Startups will go and innovate. Then what will happen? You will have five, 10 players starting up, bubbling, coming up with new technologies. Some of them will just have technologies, not being able to productize them. Some will build a product, but wouldn't find a strong enough GTM, go-to-market engine to actually grow. If you're really, really strong, and I highly recommend to everyone to go check Christopher Lockhead, one person that I follow, and I love everything he comes up with. He wrote a book together with his friends and colleagues called Play Bigger. It's about creating categories and dominating them. He did a robust analysis of all the companies that the unicorns, that the big winners of the NASDAQ and Wall Street. And each category, you have one player that gets 70% of the category revenue, each and every category. So what will happen is at the end of the day, somebody will be the best, will be the Okta, will be the CrowdStrike. Maybe like now we see Wiz is becoming in their field that the, the winner takes it all. It takes a lot. It's not just the best. It's timing. It's great product. It's great orchestration of your go-to market and engine, great marketing. But at the end of the day, only very few will make it. And only one will be the category king. That's how my friend Christopher calls it. Very hard to predict who will, but usually is the company that wants to define the category that goes and create it or recreate it in the case of a dead category that you need to rebuild. They kind of like come with a mindset of either category is dead, go leave, <laughs> leave the, the new king and queen, or we're creating something from scratch and they create this category and evangelize the category first and they win. That's what CrowdStrike did. That's what Paolo did. That's I mean, what I it, did. It existed, but they kind of kill it. Where did you do it? The fact that I basically made identity the new perimeter and basically said that very much like we needed a firewall for the firewalls, a sim for the firewalls. We needed an ITDR for us. Well, I, I hope you become the category king, but the reality is that if you're not, you still can be bringing revenue, as you said, you can be even profitable. You can even be in, in the business of services, and that's another world I'm, I'm kind of like focusing on products here. The reality is that if this is the case for you, you should consider getting consolidated into the bigger guys. So that's an option. The GD and Latal show will return in a moment. The GD and Latal show is sponsored by Ort. In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, Ort can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. 
report will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Latal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operation teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at a predictable cost, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit hunters.ai to learn more. On the other side, when we look at startups, is it time to get bought or should you pursue this dream of you're going to go and become the category king, you're going to be the next CrowdStrike? So is for, it the time for that? So for that, there's a couple of things I, I think is valuable. We've been talking about sports all this podcast long. So you've been talking about sports. True, I've been quiet true, most true. of the time. One of the recommendations that I always give people, and I'm stealing this from baseball, is hit a single before you try to hit a home run. So try to get to first base first before you try to score a home run. Don't try to score a home run every time. Okay, what's the first base? For me, most first-time founders should build their startups to get bought by a big player and understand the whole, the whole process, the whole process of everything from getting from zero customers to 20 to go through an interesting sales team and the challenges of sales teams and understand how to engage with the VCs in the different life stages of the market. Because the more you do these things, the more fluent you will be in the next step. Okay, okay, okay. Hold on a second. You just said two different things, in my opinion. Okay. Because you said you need to plan to be bought by a big player. And then you said you need to work the VCs, you need to do, go to market and all this. If you're going to be bought, why bother? Learning. Oh, that's not. Okay. So are you saying plan to be bought early, plan to be bought later? I say plan to become a big company. Because I can tell you, the founders I'm talking with, they're like, we need to think big, independent company first. That's first and foremost, the most important thing we built ourselves. If an opportunity will present itself, it would. But we are first and foremost putting all our effort in, in building a big company that is built to last, going to IPO, going to go the whole way. Is it smart or stupid? Because at the end of the day, that means that you're putting 90% of your effort, time, that the mindset of your company into we're going to build to last. So uh, if what you're saying, you need to plan to be bought, that's totally con no, contradictive no, I, I, game I think, plan. I, I think this is where you need to have a game plan to have, when you start, you need to plan in your mind three options and plan for all three options and be ready for all three options. No, so be ready to be bought, be ready to be, be ready to be bought pre, I think our friend Jacques was showing this graph of three steps to get to in, in terms of a company's life cycle. The first step is between, get bought between zero and 20 customers. Strong series A 
and plan your Series A to not kill yourself in your Series A to, to be able to show real value and be bought the right way. Next step, if you've missed that window of opportunity, try to build a legit GTM and be bought with a legit GTM. That, that's like what OpenDNS did, CloudLock did. Build a good GTM, build a good company, build something that the, that the acquisition, and th this gives you a chance because a lot of times when bigger companies buy these startups, they want to inject that founder DNA. They want to inject the founder DNA and they want to see that, yes, there is market traction. Like many yeah. companies will not buy just the tech. If yeah. you are in a very early stage of, let's say, before you have 20 customers, a few things after this Series A, your product market fit is not necessarily established. There is no proof in the pudding to, to show that people are actually willing to buy. So in that stage, if you're being bought, the buyer is buying mostly technology and the tech talent, yeah. which is great. It's awesome. But then they need to kind of like go embedded, productized it better. Sometimes it's good for the buyers because they can maybe, I'm not an expert, maybe it's easier to then implement the tech into the stack. No, It's not never really. easy anyhow. So, but it's actually good outcomes for everyone because founders and early employees are not that diluted yep. with additional rounds. The tech layers usually will be retained because there's a good tech there. So they're bought for the tech. If you're being bought a little bit later when you after Series B, Series C, you should have customers in place. You should show that you have go-to-market engine working, some CS going on, customer retention, customer happiness, and then you will get more. Not necessarily people in your organization will get more because they might have been diluted by that stage. Uh, what's there and, and what's afterwards? Like, so I think... Having these three plans of becoming the category leader, becoming a, a name that gets bought, or becoming a, a, an equa hire, or something that founder needs to plan from day one. Also, there's another thing that when you join a startup as an employee, you need to know about, which is, I call it the cheat game, which is there's no incentive for sometimes the founders to actually get acquired they actually want to run the company dry by getting a lot of VC money. Because they get incentivized. In exactly. So, exactly. So this is something you need to be aware when you join a startup, if this is happening in your world. And I think... And was, you will not be aware of it. Oh, there... Because it's not public. So there's something I think Jeff once on, sent me about. The, the, there was a paper about it that described what is called the, the toxic VC money. Always ask yourself, how, how much money did the company raise? When you interview, ask how much money the company raised. Most people think it's a great thing that a company raised a lot of money. They shouldn't. They, they, should, they should be aware of what it means. But going back to our consolidation... It means, let me, let me explain. If your company already has too high a valuation and raised too much funding, 
it will be extremely hard for it to exit, to be bought, because it might be too expensive for anyone in the market to buy it. Let's not forget, with the crazy valuation of 2021, what happened? And that's why a lot of companies went through a down route, which they have to. Otherwise, who will come and buy them? There are only, as we said, a few players in the market with deep pockets yep. that can actually pay you. And then the question is, how much would they pay? Like, are they willing to pay multiple billion dollars for a technology? No, they're so, not. Exactly. So, and, and this is a market for buyers now. So uh, that's something that you should be, if you're being interviewed to a startup, it's not a great sign to know that a company raised a ton of money at really high valuation. If and has $4 million in revenue or $3 million in revenue or $2 million in revenue. Yeah, that's that's not an amazing sign if somebody has a, a, declared in 2021 to be a unicorn and when you actually ask about how much ALR they have, there is a big gap there. It just means that the future is tough. And I think 2021 was an anomaly when companies that were not ready for IPOs, IPO'd. Yep. That's an anomaly. We had in the market companies that have been around for four years, five years, and managed to go through this bubble of SPACs and other forms. And like, there wasn't that much of scrutiny in the market and people could do it. Look at all those companies where they are right now, not that doing that great. This is probably not coming back in average. Speaking about build to last and how long it's going to take for your company to IPO. I think the average is like 13 years, yep. 10, th it's more than a decade. So you can always ask yourself this CEO of this company, do I see him keeping this business for a decade now? Do I want to be there for a decade? Do you want to be? Well, you can vest in four years and maybe cash it out and, and go, uh, but and then uh, who knows what will happen. That, it, that's the thing, that the going big, unless you're kind of like clear that there is a new category, you're going to crash it. It's going to be hot. And let me tell you something about the state of building a go-to market. Yep. Before you do that, I do want to do put in a, a plug before we go into the GTM because we are limited on time and the GTM conversation is a conversation on its own. I do think that one the thing that your founder was thinking about that is possible. I do see an end to the I'll call it the 8200 driven companies model with the exception of the original 8200 company Checkpoint that built a legit hardware product, that built a legit solution for a legit problem. Yep. The 8200 model was, hey, let me get ingest a million tons of data because I do this really, really well. And, and, and after I ingest all this data, I'll hand wave around it, build a nice graph. A little feature. A, a little feature. And then I'll raise Make a lot it of- in a, as a company and raise money. Exactly. Okay. That model, I think, is going away because of the fact that the big data giants between Databricks and Snowflake and the rest of them have commoditized that ability. So I do think that the give me data and I'll solve world hunger, that is going away. I do think that there's still a lot of room in 
they're still gonna come out leading passwordless player that might actually usurp Okta. I think that because Okta has lacked the ability of kind of building a consumer-facing IAM, and I think a lot of startups that want to build it, something will need something like that. I also think that there's still room for a disruption at the core SIM level. I think SIM will be disrupted and there will be one survivor, and I don't know who, which one that will be, hopefully maybe you guys, but I think the SIM disruption will either come from a Databricks, a Snowflake, or one of a company that runs on top of one of them. I do think that there'll be an enormous growth around this new Gen AI. AI will be embedded in everything. That like will the, be like, like an dog? operating system, like the cat AI, poop cat AI. Yeah, Didi found a product that cleans up the... Cat poop with AI. Yeah, we still wonder if it's like... And monitors the cat weight with AI. Yeah, you don't need AI to see that, <laughs> so that the cat fat. is fat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at least ours. We'll put a picture. But but <laughs> getting back, we always need to say something about the cat. There's going to be a new category. There are going to be category leaders. AI opens huge opportunity for security that we cannot even imagine. It it will be huge category. So yes. There's going to be startups, new category kids, it, it's coming up. But I do want to say the difficulty and how you can kind of like manage around it. If you decide not to sell, not to build a company that from day one will be sold as a tech to, and, and you need to go and then think about GTM. First, you need to know it's hard. It takes a lot of efforts and money. Just walk the RSA show floor, Black Hat show floor, and see how many vendors are out there and think how much is being spent on headcount, travel, entertainment, the t-shirts we give away, all those things. And then you're just selling software at cost. It's hard to make it work. And all those gazillions of startups are competing and basically using the same playbook. So there is no innovation there. So, and really hard to find a great sales team that is like humming and get your business going. I mean, not everyone is Cisco that managed to do it. That's why we get consolidated into the big ones because they built a machine. And even if it's not perfect, it is them working. They sell like, there's you no know. tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it just goes away, whether they have good sales or not. For startups, it is so costly and so hard, and you cannot raise above the noise. So you need to consider it. I don't have a good solution. I'm in this business myself and struggling it and kind of like telling to myself, how do we make it work? It's costly, really costly. But I think part of it, is working in an ecosystems and partnerships and creating kind of like this marketplace ecosystem when companies work well together and maybe sold together as a package to fight the E5. Unfortunately, I don't see it happening enough. Yes, you have those resellers that take a big chunk of your revenue and kind of like, package it together with other things 
I think it would have been so much better if we startups would have come up together as an some sort of joint go to market and really not just have those nice events that are like we sponsor a golf tournament and we pay the bill together we share the bill with all of us do it but i haven't seen a real thing that we say okay you want to buy microsoft here is the counter offer from us five awesome startups working together and here is a competitive offer This is what we do. I think that's the only way for startups today to actually cut costs down, have the power to go, maybe rely on big players on the data sides like Databricks, Snowflake and stuff to bring us together. We are all fighting for the same pie instead of kind of like using it together to to really fight the big ones which come with the full plate of the, the full Chinese menu and just choose we have better ingredients we have healthier food but you know what it's hard to compete because they have a forceful go-to-market any thoughts I think this is a good place to end us today to figure it out yes but All that's right. a great idea that's a great idea thanks Lita I Thanks, Didi. And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Didi and Lital Show. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. We are here weekly. If you want to be on the show, please write to Didi or myself. Have a great one. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.